Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You think about the person in your life, when you started, believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. When I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you. They're looking at what made you. Now, what I'm talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello Wendy. And our tactics guy and a man who never over-celebrates until the result is never in doubt. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan. That's me. Apologies for my um my voice and potential sniffs and sniffles and coughs. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit under the weather, um, but I'll battle through. Uh, how are we doing today, boys? On quite good form, I imagine. Pretty good, Wendy. Pretty good. It's um, it's like a consistent run of of good emotions and happiness every time we sit down to record these days. Hmm. I, I can't remember what sadness feels like. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I was disappointed that we didn't win the game. Um, uh, because I, obviously I was really delighted with how we played. Really delighted with how we played, but um. There was like a little bit of me that was a bit like, oh, come on, we, we never win at the Emirates. And it, it just kind of outplayed Arsenal on their own turf. And yeah. we couldn't quite get it over the line. And that's partly because Madison got injured. And yeah, we, we'll talk about this in more detail. But there was a little bit of me that was disappointed. I wasn't at the time. Um, but when I watched it back today, I felt we could have taken it. Mm, it was there, wasn't it? Uh, before we get stuck in, a few thank yous. Uh, we've had lots of emails again recently. So thank you so much to Tom Joseph, Benjamin Wenton, Tobias Howlett, Paul Maslin, Linda Mano, Keith Stahl, Tommy P, Andrew Lay and Josh E. Uh, thanks so much for getting in touch. And I want to say also congratulations to Garrison Cole, one of our ex-subs. Uh, he and his partner, congratulations to both of you, on the birth of their daughter, Summer, uh, who, who um, witnessed... I'm sure didn't take in, but witnessed the North London derby. Um, Son Renity, a.k.a. Bardi, says, Like Ange, are you all doing the pod in suits? Um, Ange wearing his first suit of the season. Uh, I mean, that felt like it was a bit of a moment, wasn't it? Like, guys, we mean business here. <laughs> I found it kind of unsettling he wasn't in his polo. Was a big, he was, yeah, he, he, he didn't cut a comfortable figure in his suit. Mm-hmm. Some managers kind of just slip into a suit and look look at home. Simeone, even the snake Pochettino used to look quite at home in, in the suit, but he looked a bit strange. I think I would prefer him to keep on the old polo unless we get to a, a cup final. 
Yeah, it, it did. Uh, it did have a sort of a bit of the energy of uh, an off the rack media <laughs> putting it in on in the car. <laughs> you know, arriving late as a guest for a wedding, kind of kind of vibe. And that 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 navy blue tie is very close to black and becoming funeral attire. Yeah. So uh, yeah. stick stick to the stick to the polos, Ange. Um, I think uh, think uh, we've all got to turn up in suits if if uh, if we win something for the next pod. How's that? Good shout. Or, or back in the day, Windy used to regularly turn up to podcasts in, in a suit and tie. That is true. That is true. Straight from work. Uh, I kind of want to see Ange with the suit on, the shirt on, but three buttons undone and a gold medallion. I imagine <laughs> he's got a, a wonderfully hairy chest with his with his uh, Greek heritage. Uh, I want to see him expose it. I think like like Nathan says, if you're going to wear a suit, especially that high profile, it needs to be tailored. It has to look right. It did look like you were just going to leave that, leave the stadium and just go and walk in front of a procession for a funeral or something. It wasn't wasn't quite right. He'd be a fantastic celebrant at funerals, wouldn't he? Mm. Um, so let's get going. I mean, there's lots to talk about here. When the starting eleven was announced, was there a part of you, Bardi, that was surprised that he switched it up and played Johnson? No, no, not really. I mean, I, is there much difference really between Johnson and Solomon right now? I think um, they're both pretty new. They're both pretty nippy. Maybe Johnson gives us something else. I wasn't surprised. I was intrigued and excited. We do like throwing in a debut at the mm. a full starting debut at, at their ground. I think who else? Ryan Mason was one. And that, someone else has just slipped my mind. There was another. Did Ben Taleb have his debut ben at the Emirates as well? Yeah. Ben Taleb, there we go. We do like doing that occasionally. Mm. Shout out to Nabil Ben Taleb. He's got his move on a free to Lille after a, a tremendous statistical season for a terrible, terrible Angers side. Um, I was uh, not totally surprised, but definitely pleasantly uh, a little surprised uh, at Johnson's time because I think it was it was the right pick, fast players mm. for a, for a more transitional game, and I also wanted him to see him on the left, and I was pleasantly surprised uh, at that too, which 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 I think was pretty clear from the there was talk of um, Kulusevski on the left or whatever, but I thought from the the lineup it was pretty clear it would be Johnson on the left. I think that's good for him. Mm. Uh, yeah, just just getting some fast boys up top. I'm a bit concerned that our fast boy seems to have a, a paper mache hamstring though. That fast people and bad hamstrings it's just mm-hmm. it's not a very good combo, is it? No. Apparently his first ever hamstring injury since Brilliant. he's been playing professional men's football. We've done it again, boys. Yeah, I know, right? It does feel that way. Um let's talk about the ebb and flow of the, the game and, and perhaps start with the first half. Uh I said on last week's pod that I felt like this would be a game where one side has a spell of possession and then the other side has a spell of possession and then the other side does again and it would be a case of who takes advantage of having that possession and probably for the first half an hour if we're, if we're really honest Arsenal dominated the ball. Uh, after that point obviously things changed I think fairly significantly I think we really kind of fought our way back into it but when Arsenal had the ball I don't know about you. I felt quite confident that we were largely managing them well. Um, so, so Voodoo Chop Six Dan said I was very frustrated by us allowing Saka to end up one v one with Udogi for most of the first half, and then they scored a goal from it. I wanted us to cut out the ball to him better. Second half, that completely stopped. Was that just from Arsenal making changes in midfield, or did Ange make some kind of adjustment? I didn't notice. Um, um, I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 sorry, Barty, just jump in. I, I mean, hmm. I just wanted to say that I kind of disagree with Dan, and I, yeah. and I, I, I really respected Ange for just braving it with Udogi one on one against Saka, 
And I think aside from the booking and the bad back pass, I thought Udogi handled Saka brilliantly. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with Dan and, and with you, actually, Windy. That's what, that's what I was going to go after first. I don't think they've really dominated the ball. I think I think they pressed us really well and our problems stemmed from them pressing us. I don't think it was a case of them forcing us back with the, with the ball and making us sit deep or anything else like that. I think we were almost the masters of our own downfall at, at points, but that's, that's how we play in those chances. We're going to give a team that presses as well as Arsenal those chances. But I think um, as soon as Arsenal run out of legs, man, they were in bits after 25 minutes, 30 minutes. They couldn't keep that up anymore and we would, then we were able to pass through them. So I think it was really smart, really brave. Keep them running, keep them pressing, and then and then kind of destroy them, which is we need we nearly did that. And as for um, I think a lot of the the hype around you dodge you dodge you one on one with Saka was Gary Neville getting well overexcited in in commentary. Yeah. He was making it into a bigger thing than it was. Udoji went to win the ball once and he, he caught Saka, who went down like a sack of, sack of spuds. So um, there was that moment. But other than that, I thought he handled him nicely. The goal was, it was a wild shot going to hit the corner flag that Romero whacked into his own net. But other than that, I thought Saka was pretty quiet, to be honest with you. He's just a, he's just a hype merchant. He's like the rest of their team. He just appears to be good, but he's not all that. I'm convinced Saka's not all that. So, so Saka Spuds is an early shout for a podcast title. Good work <laughs> with that one. Good work with that one, Vardy. Uh, I, I disagree. I think Saka is the best right-sided player in the Premier League. Yeah. I think uh, I think he's amazing. And I think Udogi deserves oodles of credit for keeping him quiet. Yeah, that's 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 how I feel. I Yeah, a, a very brave decision to to just allow that 1v1 to happen and to bet on Udogi. And uh, yeah, I mean, essentially for the second time in a row, we've been on Sky... Uh, Gary Neville has seen a fullback make an early mistake and <laughs> has formed a narrative and not revisited it for the rest of yeah. the game. I thought Udogi was was really quite incredible um, and 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 got booked and um, wasn't at fault for the goal at all. He he made the switch over to White. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, really really impressive performance from Udogi. He's a teenager, um, man. He's a teenager and he, yeah. he had a rough couple of minutes where he got booked yeah. and things went after him. And that's going to happen as a, as a kid. But everyone rallied around him and yeah. did it, after that back pass, he did make a, a mistake again for the rest of the match. We made the decision that we wanted to keep Bren Johnson away from defending in our thirds to keep him as a, as a threat on the counter-attack. Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't quite pay off, I don't think, in terms of, you know... Johnson got... How many shots did Johnson get? Let me find out real quick. We had two in the space of about mm. three minutes. Three shots total in the game. Yeah. Also, by the way, apparently, according to Transfer Mark, he's never been injured before in his career. <laughs> so not just a hamstring injury. This is, this is his first ever official injury. <laughs> um, yeah, three shots in this game. So um, could have hoped for a little more out of, out of that decision to essentially play him as a wide forward. Um, he's really yeah. good at finding space in the box. Movement was really, really nice. I just think, yeah, I, I think we kind of obviously one game or less than a game because he came off. Um, isn't a huge sample to operate from, but nothing about this performance really sort of surprised me, right? His his movement is threatening both with his pace and his decision-making, mm-hmm. what he actually does on the ball, a little underwhelming. Um, the, I, I don't want to be too harsh because 
Raya made a tremendous save, but there there has been talk about his his shots lacking power, and I think that if he he always goes inside a foot, and and sometimes he he lacks sort of um like the mechanical power to make up for the decision to go inside of inside a foot with his shots, and mm-hmm. he's just trying to pass it in. Um, but yeah, Raya like Vicario <laughs> uh, often commits beyond his his near post, but Raya yeah. was really impressive to get his hips wrapped back round and get back on that back on that shot. So I don't want to be too harsh. Uh, for Johnson on that but um yeah I kind of I, I think what you see is what you get uh, with Johnson in uh, in this game at least uh so let's talk about their their first goal um I think Nathan you've you've summed up my thoughts that Udogi did the right thing in in going with White you know you you, you hand like Johnson should be handing White onto Udogi and, and taking Saka he didn't do that and I'm not going to blame Johnson too much because he's a winger who's been asked to stay forward and he's, he's done that yep. one bit of tracking back and it's gone wrong. But, you know, it's a, it's a fairly fundamental part of defending in football and so he should do better. Um, Saka then had a bit of space to come inside and get the shot away. And I do think there's um, a question mark over Romero's defending. He's, he's on his weaker side and he's a little bit rash in the way he goes for it. He can't get set. Um, but in the heat of the moment, when you've got a second to the side, it's so hard to know what the the right call Stuff. is. And he does throw himself everything. It's what you get with Romero. You get it for good and you get it for bad. And on unfortunate this occasion, it went in rather than wide. Um, what I really liked was the reaction from Vicario to just get his arms around him straight away and say, you know what? It's okay. You, do, you, you try to do the right thing. Mistakes happen. We move on. Like, this isn't the end of the world. And I thought Romero had a really decent game. Like, obviously, the penalty call went against him, which we can talk about in a bit. But I thought he was great. And and I think a large part of that comes down to the way Vicario managed that situation. Like with Udogi's back pass, Vicario was reassuring him straight away. And I, I really like that about Vicario. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Vicario has that covered of his even on target, which I guess it wasn't because he's given his yeah. own goal. So mm. a, a poor decision. But other than that, a good game from Romero. Um, mm. Even if you want to count the handball penalty mm. against him, still, still a good game. He 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 was responsible for um, you know adventuring forward and picking up Fabio Vieira, um, yeah. which was which you know was a difficult task sometimes. Um, yeah, happy happy with Romero's performance. I think um, uh, yeah, largely largely echoing what you, what you guys said earlier that I I wasn't I wasn't very threatened by Arsenal having the ball. I wasn't too concerned with Arsenal having the ball for the most part. Um, a couple of transitional moments, um, but for the most part, I think we did did a good job. Um, so we pressed in a in a four two three one shape, which is um, something that I was kind of asking for in the previous bottle. I said it's four three three, but four three three one makes more sense because then Madison can pick up the the deepest midfielder, which was Rice most of the time. Yeah, because um, Arsenal... forty. I didn't see it as a four two three one pressing shape, incidentally. Okay, so I thought Basuma was specifically deeper. I, I, yeah, that well, that too, but it's a forty-three-one with with staggered eights because occasionally, because right. yeah. Arsenal build with a, with a a back three shape, and then sometimes they'll have a a one man midfield, and sometimes they'll have a two. So when it's a one man midfield, Madison's there as a kind of a traditional number ten, picking up often Rice, and then occasionally if Erdegaard is dropping in there or Zinchenko's moving in mm. there, then mm. Sars pushing up to join and then then I guess it's a it's a four three three if you like. Mm. Um this is obviously where there's a limitation in, in just describing formations with a number, right? Yeah, yeah. So um because Arsenal build with a back three, um I want us to be aggressive with our wingers and I think we did a good job of that. Um standing off the first pass to the wide centre back and to to invite them over to, to commit mm-hmm. to one side of the pitch and then being aggressive on the wide centre back after they've received the ball. 
Um, and I was really quite pleased with that, picking up plays in midfield. I think, uh, I think it worked, but also uh, there was definitely greater potential there for, for Arsenal to be more creative with um, Erdegaard and Vieira's movement. And that's something that we need to look for in the, the home fixture, I think, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, but yeah, shut Rice out the game really well, I think. Obviously, he was maybe carrying an injury going into the game, I'm guessing, uh, with him coming off at halftime, but still still shut him out of the game, um, which is kind of what I called for again on, on the previous episode. That's why I wanted us to, to do so. Really quite happy with us um, uh, in our press. And then, yeah, the Arsenal weren't, just weren't threatening much when they when they did get it forward. In possession, our game plan was to, to draw their press onto ours and attack space in behind. And I think we did a really good job on a technical level of, you know, not getting the ball turned over. There was one moment where, where Jesus pounced on, on Madison. Um, but for the most part, did a really, really good job of being sort of safe and secure and confident. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really turn those into many um, sort of artificial counters ourselves. We didn't um, we didn't get players in behind into the space um, enough for me. And I don't really have a good explanation on the exact details. Um, I think that Harry Brooks made a point during the game that um, because we had so many players coming towards the ball, if you think about you've got your back four with your tucked in fullbacks and then maybe Sars going over to the right touchline and then Madison wants to come towards the ball, well, then you've only got three players who aren't in like your first or second line of build-up, right? Yeah. Uh, and they could cage us in that way. Um, essentially not getting a moment to sort of turn and have a yard to pick out a pass, I think, was was basically our problem and, and why we didn't get Son or Johnson through on goal um, from that build-up. Um, but but not certainly not bad, right? Certainly not bad. And then, um, obviously, Madison goes off later in the game, but Johnson goes off. And as much as I do think it's it's fine to criticise Johnson for uh, not picking up Saka for their goal, um, or oh, actually, let me rewind a tiny bit because we win the ball off Georgie. You know, he comes on at half time. Madison wins the ball there brilliantly. Um, and after that, Arsenal start moving Ben White. Um, further over up the right flank so they can switch the ball to him and it's after that I think it's the first time they play that they play the switch to White in build up and Johnson does a sort of a recovery sprint and that's when he pops his hamstring mm-hmm. and then obviously Solomon comes in his place and he doesn't know how to deal with it and we really lost our ability to, to press them effectively we needed some kind of instruction for Solomon there whether it's just to leave White forget him and try to trap them anyway um, but because Jorginho had come, come in for, for Rice there I felt like that that was our real opportunity to do them some damage with our pressing in the final 20 minutes of the game and that's where we really fell short mm-hmm. I want to give a little shout out to um, Van der Ven who I thought was sensational oh, yeah. again he, like I said before he just moves like a planet he's just unbelievable recovery tackles winning the headers just being in the right place he was brilliant and um, me and you Wendy we had a little discussion last week about Pap Matasar and I thought he was he got booked in a ridiculous fashion from a situation where the game should have been stopped because Ben White smashed into I'm not sure who it was Udoji or, or Son so he ended up getting booked really early in a stupid way because of the referee but he, he stayed mature the whole game and I thought he was really good he got around the pitch and everything that I kind of wanted from that midfield role and what Schoeberg doesn't give us he did and he, he was brilliant yesterday mm-hmm. but you're going to criticise him for a couple of wayward passes I can hear it go on I'll just choose to move on instead uh, because he did like he's he's really brave and he's really tenacious and there's a lot to admire about Pat Matasar. Uh 
And I think he had a good game, all in all, Windy. I think he had a good game. He had one pretty telegraphed pass that I was upset by in the first half. I can't remember the the context. Um, but this was this was again a game where he's he's up and down the pitch in a way that other players aren't, and and yeah. that's you know definitely a good performance from him in my opinion. That that, that is that is definitely true. He he is. Um... The way he covers the pitch is is really impressive and um, important for the way that we play uh, yeah, as yeah. we move between four three three and four two three one in 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 all of our games. Absolutely, I think what's what I'm what's interesting about the role Sars playing is you know we tried to sign Conor Gallagher, uh, and that's the role that that Postecoglou would have wanted Gallagher to play. You know, Sar gets in the box late, arrives in the box late. Uh, and Gallagher is one of the best in the Premier League at arriving in the box late, picking up lots and lots of goals that way, but also yeah. is really good at pressing. And I think that is what Postacoglu is trying to get Saar to do. I get that. But I don't think I want Gallagher receiving the ball on the right touchline, for example. I, I don't know if that's I don't know if he, that's a person. He's technically thing. better than Saar. He, he just is. He's, yeah. he's neater and tidier on the ball. His passing is is better um, I mean this, this is largely irrelevant because I think Benton Cole will do the job really well yeah. if, if he comes back well from injury that is mm. uh, so, which is very exciting you know <laughs> very exciting that one of our best midfielders from last season isn't even in this team yet uh, there's another level to go up um, I, I do think Madison coming off had such a huge impact on our ability to, sure. to create chances and yeah Obviously, Lacelso's out injured at the moment, so there was no obvious replacement. So he has to bring on Hoyer, yeah. who who isn't a creator or a presser. Uh, I think as soon as Madison went off, all of a sudden Jorginho, who's who's a, who's a bumbling idiot of a centre midfielder right now, got time on the ball and was able to start doing his bits. I really think Schoenberg's physicality more than anything else is a huge problem for us right now. I think I think that was more about. Solomon um, sticking with White than Maybe. than Hoybjerg, I think. I mean, obviously, like um, Hoybjerg's probably not used to sort of pressing as the number ten, and there might be some discomfort there. But I I think a lot of it is sort of uh, it was happening. It was happening with Madison said on the pitch where he couldn't he couldn't he was he had two men to cover and he couldn't commit to either of them um, before before Hoybjerg came on. Um, there was obviously there was that really really lovely move on in the seventy first uh. minute. Mm. Yeah, um, that ended with Poro not quite getting the the ball to sign in the box. Do you think that? Um, do you think if Madison had stayed on, we'd have created more chances like that in possession, and we'd have got the winner that way? Yeah, I think so. Because because the thing with this is right, Arsenal played midweek. Um, Boss Cogley recently called us the fittest team in the league, um, but. It was it was Arsenal who finished stronger. It was Arsenal who who had the ball at the end. We dropped off in a, in a way that I imagine Podskogli wasn't too happy about, and and defended our own third when I when when because Arsenal played midweek and because we had them chasing shadows for a lot of the first half. I felt like we should have finished strong. Maybe that was just a matter of the personnel we had left. But I, I... think that's it. I think that's it. And I think mm. I do wonder if, in hindsight, and this would have been insane, obviously, but I wonder if he, in hindsight, would have brought Valise on up front and Richarlison on the left. Uh, to carry the ball. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Valise obviously a really strong hold up player. Is there a case to be made we should have left Johnson on the bench to bring him on to be a to be a threat in the final thirty minutes because you know uses his threat that way because I I wanted him to start but maybe we should have started with Solomon and then moved to Johnson later on in the game when they're tired or maybe the threat's yeah. not there so they don't tie themselves out yeah yeah I don't, I don't think we get the equalising goal if Johnson's not on the pitch to be honest sure. I think I think he he was an important cog in that moment 
I think for me, there's there's so many positives out of this game, but the one one of the overwhelming fears I have from it is it just showed the the kind of how kind of how shallow our squad is right now. That yeah. Richarlison just he can't replace Son. He just doesn't offer the same threat in in the, in this kind of game as, as Son does. I don't agree. I think Richarlison can replace Son if Madison's on the pitch. Yeah, I Maybe. think without Madison on the pitch, he's it's like he what he's got nothing to work with. Uh, I think we're just too we're way too reliant on Madison at the moment Mm. yeah I guess um, your point stands about the weakness of the squad uh, with that reliant on Madison that he goes off and and we stop creating essentially yeah the same with our midfield as well it's just it's a real fear there I, 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 it's a real shame that Gilles is injured because it would have been really interesting to see him um, get some minutes in that match and also some other mm. ones off the bench. Um, there's another, there's a second round of rumours from disreputable Spanish sources that he's uh, upset about his lack of minutes, but he's he's injured right now, so that doesn't make any sense, right? Um Personally, I think that Lascelles is a really good backup to Madison. I think that's what we saw in preseason. I know that people will say that there's only so much you can read into preseason, but I I think that he's a really good stylistic fit to the to the system. Um, people were critical of his Fulham performance, but we didn't get the ball forward, and I think that he came off at halftime because of an injury, not because of his performance. So um, for me, I think that we do have good depth for Madison or decent coverage for Madison. It's just that Lascelles is injured. I guess what we could have done better is um, found a way to move Kulusevski more central and brought um, uh, maybe Emerson Roy out on and then moves Poro into the right wing position, yeah. something like yeah. that. Or even moved Poro into midfield a bit bit higher. Ooh. And what we tried to do was move Poro more further forward in his role he was already playing, sure. uh, which was, I think, a, a reasonable compromise and, and a reasonable attempt because with Madison off the pitch, he's our most creative passer. Um, and I just want to say, actually, I, th- I think Poro might have been my man of the match. I think it, for me, it was between him and Basuma. I've seen quite a lot of criticism for Basuma's performance. People saying, you know, it's his worst display of the season because he, he lost yeah. the ball a, a couple of times. Um, yeah. For me, I thought he was incredible. Yeah. And the reason I thought he was incredible was he what he was being asked to do is like the hardest thing you can do in football. Mm-hmm. That is constantly receive the ball with your back to two or three players, retain possession, break the press, and then find a pass. And he did it over and over and over again. I mean, he must have been shattered by the end of the game, but he is some player. He was remarkable. Yeah, I agree. He's remarkable, and I agree he's had remarkable performances, but I don't think this is up there with his his strongest performance. I thought he had a hard time yesterday, but that's not. he's still a brilliant footballer. I just thought he had a hard time. I think Van der Ven, for me, and Poro and Son are in front of him for man of the match. Uh, I think he had a really good game. I think he lost the ball twice, and that's enough mm-hmm. for it to be his weakest performances, mm-hmm. at, weakest performance out of six yeah, so far, put, right? You have to put that within context. Like, you have sure. to... Look at you know what he's being asked to do against. Let's be honest, the second best team in the league. Like, mm. I hate to say it, but yeah. they probably are. Mm. Um, and, and a really good pressing system. They they did press us effectively. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I thought Basuma was was really really impressive. Um, but the whole team were great. There was such a good team performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I think what I would say to be like as harsh as I can possibly be to Basuma is like, this is where the comparisons with Moussa Dembele fall just a little shy because I think, a, a ma- albeit match fit, which was a, a rare treat later in his career, but a match fit Moussa Dembele doesn't struggle with a really good pressing team at all. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't he make um, Santa Carzola dizzy once at the. <laughs> they had to sub him off. Well, they had to sub off um, the fraud, the uh, rice as well. I can't, I can't stop saying the word fraud. It's so, so social media. I do apologize. <laughs> um, but I would like to say, I would like, I keep saying, but uh, Sunny through the middle. I never want to see Sun out wide again. That's it. It's done. It's yeah. finished. It's over. In this formation, Sun is our number nine. Starts every week. Charlison on the bench as a as a as a semi battering round to bring on Sun through the middle. He's just he's just brilliant. He's so lethal that he doesn't mm. need loads and loads of chances. Just give him two chances, two goals. Just the second goal, man. Yeah. That's a high pressure shot. Ball across you. I don't think he took a touch. Goalkeeper coming out. Oh. A good goalkeeper coming out, and he just. Pots it into the bottom corner like a snooker player. It was it was beautiful. Yeah. But Charleston, yeah. I don't know. He has four chances. In four chances, maybe he scores two of those. So I just want to keep keep lethal sun through the middle. That's the way. That's the way we're going to win matches. I think the first goal was really underrated as well. The um the timing of the movement yeah. that he that he makes towards the ball um is everything, and he angles it perfectly. Oh, I mean, we just need to mention Madison for that goal as well. Mm. Madison, um, the 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 hip swivel to send Saka for a hot dog was was glorious. But then to keep his composure in the way he did and pick out the pass, really really impressive. Um, and I I thoroughly enjoyed the celebrations to both goals. Like you know, Arsenal got a lot of criticism criticism for over celebrating their goals, and I I thought you know we could over celebrate because we were coming back, and it, it felt really important, it felt really big. Um, yeah, that 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 finish from Son for the second. It's not like it was even close to Raya's leg. It somehow he managed to find like a foot of space. It was really quite impressive. And uh, yeah, he's on a serious hot streak of finishing. We've just um, so Conte in his first season used um, Son to his maximum effect, and then for some reason it went wrong in the second season. This year, Postecoglou's gone. All right, Son, never have the ball. You're back to goal. Don't get involved in build-up mm-hmm. play. Just just take chance. We'll create you chances. We've got the players to do that. Just put the ball in the net. That's all he has to do. It's not even like we're playing diagonals that he's got to win headers. It's just Son being Son. And I think I think like this, if as long as his finishing doesn't drop off, he's got another two years maybe in this role if we wanted to keep him there. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I think... Um... The goals against Burnley and the second goal against Arsenal is what you expect from Sun. Yeah, using space, attacking space, transitional moments. And, um, you know, previously he's been, he's been able to provide that moving in, in off the left. Um, but actually, t- to Bardi's point, the first goal is, uh, is why Sun is fully capable of being a number nine in this game, playing in the box, using a fraction of a yard of space to instantly get a shot off. Um, that that positional awareness in the box as as the low nine is is was the sort of one concern I had about Sun um, playing up front for us and um, I mean yeah it, that is such a centre forwards goal um, that yeah I agree no no more Sun on the left I think that's over uh, we'll do a bit more uh, talking about the Arsenal game but before we do over to Bardi I gave AG what a try because I believe in being smart. Preparing and playing the long game. I'm not out here celebrating deflected goals like I've just whacked one in from 30 yards or jumping in the crowd celebrating winners after 54 minutes. My supplement plan is like my football team, consistent and relentless. I'm taking AG1 because I believe in playing the long game, not being a meme and not pandering to fragile children in black t-shirts waving banners they made at their lunchtime. Pathetic. (laughs) Be proper. Don't stop. 
grab the ball, run to the halfway line and keep pressing and keep getting up them. Only by being consistent with your attitude and supplements can you break their fragile spirit and be more spurs. Get AG1 in you or risk moving like that penalty missing fraud Jorginho. Science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics and whole food source nutrients, AG1 helps, build, helps you build your health foundation first. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And actually, we are looking for another partner for 2024. So if you're interested in partnering with The Extra Inch, drop us a line, podcast at theextrainch.co.uk, and we can send you our media pack. So I liked the um, post-match interviews with with Son and Madison. Um, uh, Madison specifically saying that the team were brave in wanting the ball and that they kept showing for the ball. And I think, to me, that is what Postacoglu's been drumming into them. Like he, he, we've heard it before in interviews with with Ange that he won't berate players, he won't criticize players if they continue to relentlessly do what he asks them to do. And I really felt in this game from Spurs that there was a lot of bravery on show. We we talk we use the word brave a lot in football, but to me this is what bravery is. It's it's making yourself. Um, Putting yourselves in situations where you could lose the ball with the belief that you're going to do the right thing. Um, and we saw it numerous times from our back five, that Vicario, you know, really patient, he takes the extra touch, he waits for the player to come on to him and then he searches for the option and that might be short, his short passing is really good or it might be a bit longer and I think his long passing needs some work. But I really appreciated the fact that he was willing to try um, Van de Ven and Romero they'll take it anywhere they don't care if there's a player harrying them they will take the ball anywhere and they'll always find a man um, Basuma I've already spoken about but always showing Madison coming deep showing in, in difficult situations even after losing the ball in his own box when Gabriel Jesus robbed him um, and I, I really appreciated watching us play that way at the Emirates on their own patch playing the way that Arsenal fans would like to see their team play and, and I think doing it better than Arsenal. Honestly, I think we we showed that we are a really highly competent footballing team. Um, and it made me very proud, actually, of, uh, of the team we've got now. 
I agree. We've got players who are willing to to take that risk and have the ability to take that risk with the ball and allow Arsenal one commentary once again. It's not often, not often we get the Gary Neville treatment in, at games that I've watched on TV anyway at home. Sometimes I might be at the stadium, but he was just encouraging Spurs to whack it long and just it was pointless. <laughs> there was no point in that. We have Sun up front. There's no point to do that. We keep playing our way of football and they believe in it and it and it paid dividends. Arsenal broke themselves trying to trying to press us. Uh, I've, I've not done this for a little while, hmm. but I want to have a little rant about the video, video assistant referee. Um, my old complaint came back to haunt us again. The 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 idea of it having to be a clear and obvious error. I refuse to believe that if you have to watch something twenty five times, that it is a clear and obvious error. That is not a handball. The the ball is smashed at Romero's arm from a meter, two meters away. He has no time to move it. He is essentially being punished for having arms, and I think that is ludicrous. I think it is absolutely ludicrous that that was given as a penalty. Um, and and then you get a situation where Enketia throws himself completely recklessly out of control with studs up on on one foot at Vicario and because he misses him by a millimetre nothing he gets a yellow card and and they don't even look at it they don't even consider a red I I cannot see how this system is being used effectively and I found it infuriating Romero is quite handy you know he does block a lot with his arms up he gave a penalty away against City when we won there 3-2 in a very similar situation he did something against Man United very similar so he does have a habit of blocking in in the box and throwing his hands up so he does do that was I think I think it was probably a penalty I think the referee should have given it first time I think had that been the other way round would be screaming for a penalty I know it's point blank but his arm is is out it's up it's wide and it was a goal bound shot I think I think if it's the other way around we we claim penalty as well yeah again i think i'm more interested in a discussion of what um we feel the rules should be rather than trying to work interpretations from what they currently say because they're constantly changed um Mm. and not clear and often what is written is in complete contrast with what is actually practiced so um Mm -hmm. i think that it is sort of an interesting discussion worth having whether taking taking uh romero's handball as a as a case study as as an example should be was as a handball I, i think that um you know, I I think Windy poses an interesting argument that it's from a very close distance, that it, it's fully unintentional in terms of the contact with the hand. Um, I would go so far as to say discussion around natural positions is is very silly. Um, yeah, the shoulder is a ball is a socket, so um, the only unnatural positions are ones that are are sustained from horrifying mechanical damage to your joints right um when we go down our arms go up that's that's how the human body works um but what i what i think it would be the counter argument is that um romero as a whole body has moved himself towards the ball he's moved himself to block the ball and in doing so he's taking a risk that he can potentially be doing that block with an illegal part of his body um i think that it's going in if he doesn't hit his arm i think that we are we feel quite grieved if that's at the opposite end of the pitch as spurs fans because the ball's going in anyway um and so a penalty which you know converted around 70 75 percent of the time 
feels like a pretty reasonable compromise, being as that he wasn't was he even carded? He wasn't even carded for that. No, no. no. So I think that that's probably that's pro- a penalty is probably fair. It's an accidental handball. Um, the opposition have been. Uh, if it's not Arsenal, <laughs> then I'm thinking I'm feeling a tiny bit sorry for them. <laughs> right, I have to take it out of the context of it being the derby for a moment to to discuss the rules. A hypothetical. Um, I think a penalty is is reasonable given what happened on balance. I agree. I think the bigger issue here is the referee not giving it. I think the referee, how could he not see that? Because he's he's made this a situation. If he gives the penalty, everybody goes, okay, fair enough. It's a penalty. VAR looks at it and goes, yeah, it's a penalty. But he's purposely not made a decision and then given it to VAR to make a decision. And I think that's just bad refereeing. I mean, that is unfortunately um, making the best out of a situation in which video assistant referees are afraid embarrassed uncomfortable to override their colleagues and um, because they have this sort of colleague relationship we there was a recent case of this i can't remember who uh, what the what the call was but was it mike dean who was the var and he said oh my mate made a decision that was I the didn't... romero hair pulling on oh there you go. yeah yeah and um great that he got away with that obviously but uh this is no way to have to have video assistance referees to just go oh well i don't want to make my mate look silly like they, they've got to be acting much more independently when it comes to these decisions um, and then a referee doesn't have to deliberately make a non-decision so that they can't be overruled it's just um it's it's a uh, it's a bit silly here we are talking about refs again eh yeah, yeah. no who does thought it and i think uh, windy i think you mentioned it enketia that's a red card that's a, that's a straight red. Yeah, yeah. I think this is one for me where it's um, the reason he doesn't get a red card is because he doesn't make studs on flesh contact. But that shouldn't be relevant how it actually pans Absolutely. out. It's the recklessness with which he went in, which is a red card offence. For me, um, you don't even have to touch a player to foul them if you go in recklessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you missed Vicario mm-hmm. entirely there, um, and we never see these punished, but for me, that's still a red card because of the danger that he's he's creating by flying in studs up and being yeah, nowhere near the ball. And, and I think there needs to be a degree of punishment for that because it's putting a fellow professional at serious risk of This is the thing, right? It's not, not protecting the players. It's really, really not on. Um, one last thing on the on the Romero penalty decision. When you when you watch that back, have a look at how Ben White controls the ball because uh, there's definitely some arm involved. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert there. Um, but it, it wasn't mentioned in commentary. Um, there's quite a lot else to talk about. Obviously, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about North London Derby, and I think it's only right to have done so. I think it was a really good performance. Um, very excited about the performance, very excited about Spurs this season. But there's been loads going on. Uh, the fan forum happened. And, I mean, there was some really unexpected stuff going on in the fan forum, I think. Like, sometimes these things, you they happen, and they're very corporate and very shallow and... You know, some players turn up and take some photos with fans and Daniel Levy turns up and says a few nice things and whatever, they move on. But no, there was some genuine, interesting comments from Daniel Levy. So uh, Benjamin Wenton says, Yesterday's fan forum brought to light some interesting candour from Levy, in my opinion. Particularly, I found the following really interesting. Quote, But the frustration of not winning and the pressure from maybe some players and, uh, and from a large element of the fan base that we need to win, we need to spend money, we need to have a big manager, we need to have a big name. It affected me. Benjamin says, should this statement not be really understandable? Should this statement not help us understand many of the things Levy did? Albeit they turned out to be wrong and bad decisions, but in my opinion, I get them now. Levy wanted to win. He saw a path with winning managers and a win-now mentality. 
I don't like this comment from Libby. He said a few things which has annoyed me and just seemed to be pandering towards the public and just pandering for sympathy and stuff like that. You're the chairman of a massive conglomerate, mate. You're, you're a bit concerned about what the fan base is saying. But listen to the fan base who are paying too much money for tickets. Drop the, drop the prices then. Yeah. So he, he's worried about this and, oh, I'm just like one of the lads. I'm just like one of you. Shut up. And then he goes on and has a slide dig at Conte. You appointed this guy. You put him in the charge of the club. And then what? You can't have a working relationship with him. You hired him in the first place. Shut up. And it's just a lot of this stuff. He just needs... To, I know we want to hear from him, but I don't want to. Just less, let's hear less from this guy. All this was is a little PR spin of trying to say the right things. He wants to sell the club. He doesn't really. And who anyway, who's going to buy it for that price? I don't like it. It was nice to hear from Ange. It was nice to hear from Sun. We had one of our ex-subs was there. He said some really nice things about the event, but um, not for me. Uh, yeah, I uh, I feel very similarly to Bardi. I think um, this uh, this quote from Levy confirms something that we'd been pretty strongly speculative on, um, pretty confident in our read on in the in the past, and basically confirmed. Um, the reason that yeah it doesn't doesn't solicit any sympathy for me is because. Um, this is this is him doing his job badly, like allowing his yeah. emotions yeah. to guide him in, into into mistakes. Um, not having uh, smarter people with a better understanding of football around him to to make better decisions. Not understanding that there aren't really shortcuts to winning. That you can't just hire a manager because you're very familiar with his name. Um, and then expect him to see, succeed in very different circumstances to the ones he has done before in terms of financial support and also the changing tactical developments of the league over time. Yeah, so this is just, uh, yeah, Levy's admitting this mistake. And hey, I don't know how many other chairmen are out there admitting their mistakes, so fair enough to him for that. Um, but I don't think we learned a ton new there as much as I appreciate the question. Um, the fan forum, I wanted to say, um, I went to the fan forum, not last time, but the one before in 2014 or 15, around that kind of time. And that was a bit of a loving because we, we, we just, we had, we just beaten West Ham 4-1. And that was the real, that was sort of the beginning of the, the Pochettino era, really. That's where things were really clicking. And it's kind of, it was kind of the same this time. And, um, hmm. In the lead up to the fan forum, I saw quite a few tweets from people who are vocally critical of Levy and going, oh, well, looks like I didn't get picked for the fan forum. Hmm, wonder why that could be. And I remember <laughs> seeing those and going, yeah, sure, okay. It's not like thousands of people applied or anything. But um, this fan forum was a bit too much of a loving for me. I don't agree. I don't agree. Uh, and the reason I specifically don't agree is that after the fan forum, there was a Twitter space by some purple and gold folk. Uh -huh. uh, and they were very critical of Levy and had been to the fan forum, uh, several of them. Um, and also, so Jock uh, was our ex-sub who, who was there. Yeah. Shout out to Jock because he asked the question for me, which I really you appreciated. softens up the question that I wanted him to ask? No, no, I'd already submitted it by the time I asked oh, you. Okay. We asked the same, we essentially asked the same question. We wanted the same question answered, which is very sad, Nathan. We're basically merging <laughs> into the same person. Um, um, but yeah, it was about it was about the use of data and transfers, but <laughs> Nathan asked it in a very brutal way. I um, wanted is, to pose it to Levy in an aggressive manner because I think that's worth doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I wasn't, I wasn't 
wasn't about to make Jock do our bidding. Bless him. Coward. He he already said that he was. Uh, he kind of he drifted <laughs> off the end of his question and okay. had to had All to right. re-ask it because he he was so nervous. But he said awesome. and stared deep into his soul, and uh, it was a lovely feeling. Um, yeah, Jock said there were a few questions that were that were a bit like pointed. Okay, pointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think it was. I don't think people were were picked on the basis of being you know pro Enoch or or pro Spurs. Even I think it, it was genuinely an open selection of people. Um, you know, I I do appreciate Levy's self reflection here, but sure. ultimately he 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 fucked up. He fucked up really badly, and I agree with Benjamin that I can see why he made those decisions. And I briefly bought into Mourinho at the time and and spent six months saying, you know what, this might not be the worst thing. We've got Harry Kane; he's mm. a win now manager. And then I did fucking the same thing with Antonio Conte. But I'm not the owner of Tottenham Hotspur. I'm not the one that's paid to make these decisions and. Daniel Levy had a working strategy and it was going really well and he moved away from it and he he set us back years by doing so and also made us all miserable in the meantime and he needs to he needs to cop a lot of flack for that um uh, and and you know he also did this week an interview with Bloomberg which I thought was a really interesting interview he got pressed quite a bit by the the interviewer whose name I forget I'm so, I'm sorry I should I should have made a note um I thought the interviewer did a pretty good job but uh, Levy was asked about what it feels like to have, you know, the chance aimed at him during matches. And he said, I've got very thick skin after years of doing this, but it's not nice for family to hear it. Uh, and, and I thought that was interesting, an interesting response as well. And I, do, I appreciate where he's coming from there. It can't be nice for his his children, his wife to, to hear some of the vicious songs Um Aim towards him. I mean, we want Levy out isn't the most vicious at all, but sure. again, it's not going to feel great for him. But again, he's brought it on himself by making bad decisions, and and he does have to live with that. He he has made a lot of bad decisions over the last few years. I think that um, for good or bad reasons, um, we've accidentally stumbled perhaps into a really really good position where we've hired again. a fantastic coach again, and we are now. He, I think more consciously, um, finally uh, leaning heavily into analytics for our recruitment. Yeah. And that yeah. I think we're about to hire a director of football, I'm assuming, because mm-hmm. uh, is it Gaviadini has been has been released? Gabonini. Gabonini, Gabbi- I think. Who, who's Gaviadini? Whatever. Um, Gaviadini played for Derby. And he's, <laughs> he also, there was another Gaviadini who played for Southampton. And it's oh, a, that's the one, the Southampton yeah. one. For the, yeah. Um... <laughs> What was I fucking saying? Um, We're high director football. football. Yeah, yeah. So, so we we've corrected the course in terms of 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 uh, running the club as an operation. But I think in my right. opinion, right now, uh, we as the fans are are positioned oppositionally to Levy and Enoch in terms of ticket prices, and that we um, should be forming a a strong wall against them and a, a united front and and aggressive positions regardless of how excellent the football is right now. My yeah. my last bit on, on Levy is 
he he's not held accountable for anything. He can do whatever he wants. He is a majority shareholder in the club. He is in charge. He's the boss. So um, there's no way for people to to hold him accountable for his mistakes other than chanting. That's all we have left as fans. Being able yeah. to give our opinion on stuff, something is by being in person in the stadium and making our voices known because they can easily mute us on social media. You can tweet as many purple and gold things as you want at the club. It doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is the fan base. And sometimes we're unhappy and sometimes we need to let the, the bosses know we're unhappy. Yeah, and I agree. And I think my issue with the purple and gold thing is I think it really does lack nuance and um, perspective because um, I'll probably cop a lot of flack for this myself, but I think over Levy's tenure, I I think he's broadly moved us in the right direction. And I think there have been a lot of mistakes within that movement. But if you look at the long game, I think Levy's a a net positive. Um, And I certainly wouldn't want another chairman right now. Like I think the grass would not be greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, My issue, and I tweeted about this after the the fan forum, um, I do think that Levy has certainly recently surrounded himself at boardroom level with people who don't challenge him and aren't critical enough of him and allow him to make bad decisions because they don't have the right knowledge. And I even tweeted that I fear that Scott Munn might be another of those appointments. And people replied like, what's Scott Munn done wrong? He's not even been like, he's, he's been at city group. He's a really good person. We're hiring the right guy. Like he's doing exactly what you're saying we should do. I don't agree. I don't agree at all. I think Scott Munn is probably a really good, um, um, business profe- professional manager, professional services manager, who's who's um, delivered a lot at that level throughout his career, and is probably a really good guy. Well, I know from what I've been told, he's a really nice person, nice to work with. I don't see him being critical of Levy and challenging Levy. Now, whether he's put the structures in place outside of Scott Munn, um, whether the new director of football is going to be someone who will challenge him, that's another matter. But I, I. I hope that Levy appoints people who aren't just going to say yes all the time. Uh, I, I, I fear that that's been the issue over the last few years. And I'm glad he's self-reflecting. I'm really glad that he's self-reflecting, but that needs to be followed by change. Otherwise, it's pointless. Um, this week, we also heard the news that Ivan Perisic has has got a really bad injury. And actually, you know, we were talking about those substitutes in the Arsenal game. Perisic would have 100% would have come on. Yeah. Uh, and that would have allowed the Kulisevsky move into midfield that Nathan suggested. Cash out, Nathan. Cash out. <laughs> so Bar- what Barney's alluding to here is that Richarlison will not score 15 goals without Perisic's crosses. <laughs> we need a crosser in January. Emergency. Emergency. Um, yeah, okay. This is. Um, there was a quote that came through Romano that Perisic reckons he'll be back for April, but... It's a complex ACL tear, so a complex tear is a, a tear, uh, multiple tears or multiple varieties of injury um, to, to multiple ligaments, uh, potentially. Um, 34-year-olds, complex ACL tear, contracts up in the summer. I think that he's played his last minutes for Tottenham. Yeah. So we've also signed uh, Luka Vuskovic or on the verge of signing him from Hajduk Split. It's official, official now. It's official now, okay. And the suggestion was that Ivan Perisic would be going the other way, that he would move to Hajduk Split in January, not in exchange, but as, as part of the deal that was uh, discussed around Viskovic. And I'm wondering if Perisic sort of uh, signalling that he'll return in April is a way of him 
reaffirming his desire to join Hedrick Split and, and trying to get that move back to his, his own old club. I agree with Nathan. I don't think we'll be seeing him again for Spurs. Frees up uh, a little bit of room in the squad to uh, invest in a really good winger. <laughs> yeah. A good crosser. Ideally Indeed. someone Indeed. who can find Charlton's head <laughs> on uh, about 14 occasions between <laughs> then and the end of the season. Who is, who is the best wide crosser in the world right now? If you could have anyone to help you win this bet, who would you, who would you buy? Oh God, best crosser. I think it's like a lost art, just whipping one in. No, I mean, De Bruyne is maybe the best crosser, but obviously yeah. isn't going to play left touch line for us. <laughs> Um, I'd have to think about that. I think that when I have concocted my lists of, of who I want for there, I focus more on the 1v1 aspect than, than the crossing aspect, with crossing being sort of a bonus. Um, Signed DeMarco. Just played DeMarco left wing forward. <laughs> Poro on the on the left flank. <laughs> I do think with, um, with the injury to Perisic, it opens up the possibility of Brian Hill, Hill forcing mm. his way back into the squad at least, and being on the bench. Yeah, he's an okay would, crosser. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think also we should be considering Yago Santiago as a, as a bench option, uh, consistently playing really well for the under-21s, which I'll, I'll be watching them tonight, actually. Looking forward, I mean, I watched the under-18s at the weekend and they were sensational. So I'm hoping the under-21s are, are great as well. They've been looking so good this season so far. And Yago Santiago has been a big, big part of that. And I think if we are going to use the academy and commit to using the academy as much as Levy said in the fans forum, then promoting players, even if it's the expense of another squad player, for the occasional bench game is 100% worth it and something we should be looking to do more often. Uh, last, last email before we sign off. Ben Cook, who Bardi knows very well, uh, sent us this message about Bardi's ping pong performance. He says, Hi guys, just getting in touch to confirm that despite his pantomime villain persona, Bardi was in fact magnanimous in victory and gracious in defeat at our mm. work ping pong, ping pong tournament. I'm glad to hear that my mind games had some impact on his performance, but obviously not enough to sway the final result. It's good to know that all the AG1 is paying off in helping Bardi humble his colleagues. What is it about Italians and doping scandals? They just can't help themselves. I told you we could all show some growth. I've grown as a human being. I've grown as an adult, finally. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm willing to accept when I'm wrong, most occasions, and I'm willing to be a nice person in, in sporting situations. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate if you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the extra inch. Email us at podcast at the extra inch. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Subs, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.